Hello and welcome to another episode of Drama School Dropout, which is now part of the High Productions family. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And this week I am joined by the man behind the courgette. Please help me welcome from Netflix's Sex Education, Connor Clark McGrath. Drama School Dropout, no graduation day for you, Drama School Dropout. Hello. Hello. How's it going? I'm good. How are you other than the Wi-Fi problems and internet? <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I'm very, very well, thank you. All uh, good. How is it down your end of the country? Because we've got some decent weather in Scotland for the first time in about six months. Oh, my goodness. No, it was pissing it down yesterday. Really... <laughs> gray and wet um and today yeah kind of cold kind of gray it's our story all year round pissing down wet (laughs) gray it's kind of bright today there's still still a few clouds a bit gray but that's scotland for you Mm. so what i like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast is how did you get into acting and what was your first role and it doesn't necessarily need to be a first role that you're proud of or want to share yeah well absolutely i was really lucky because both of my parents are in the entertainment industry so i was able to learn a lot about the tv business at a young age and yeah they put me in as an extra as a baby mary queen of scots when i was a couple of weeks old um so i've got that straight out the hospital yeah yeah (laughs) and then um when i was got seven or eight i played um a jewish refugee um hiding from from the romans at masala uh the famous incident where they they all um committed suicide really kind of dark uh (laughs) early role there you know again no speaking it was just uh, you know but uh but very exciting and then um you know got to spend time on sets as a kid and but my what I'd say my first role was um was with the Shakespeare Schools Festival I was living in Hereford um at uh, and this was this was at the Courtyard Theatre and I was lucky enough to be a part of the youth theatre there and um have you heard of the Shakespeare Schools Festival yeah yeah really really fantastic charity that gives um cut down kind of abridged versions of classic Shakespeare plays so I was in Twelfth Night and I played uh, Sir Andrew Aguicheek and I was about 14, I think. And um, that just kind of blew my mind uh, to, to kind of do the comedy of that, to um, to make people laugh with words that had been written 400 years ago. And, you know, the first time stepping out on that stage and realizing, hey, I want to do this for the rest of my life. That was the, was that the moment shaking. where you like yeah, sat yeah, yeah. down and was like, this is what I want to do. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And then it's weird because my career hasn't really taken that turn into a lot of stage work. It's, yeah. it's mostly TV, but that's that's really where my heart is. And it's I also see where the money a... is. <laughs> yeah, I, I see you're a playwright and, and so am I. So that's, um, yeah, that's something, you know, because that's a way to take kind of your, your career by the reins a little bit is to write for yourself or just to write in general because you can have that control and you can always be doing something. Yeah, I think while I was at college, we constantly got told, like, if you want to work when you leave here, you're probably going to have to start by putting your own stuff on. Mm. So I was like, yeah, I can write. I, I Like, English was my favourite subject at school. I wanted to be a writer before I sort of was like, maybe I'm better on stage. So I sat down one day and I wrote this horrible play 
and it's terrible now it's still on my bookshelf i've got like a bookshelf with all of my plays on um but it will never see the light of day um ever again and i was like okay so i can direct this i can also be the main character and i can also cast all of my friends in the other roles so i was like this is pretty perfect um and then just as time went along i sort of turned into that typical writer and i'd be laying in bed and I'd get an idea, twins going to a festival. One of them doesn't know they're going to a festival. And I'd have to jump up at four o'clock in the morning and start writing. Great, great. Have you done other formats or just stage? Uh, just stage. Uh, currently working on turning a play that I just wrote with one of my best friends into a TV show. But we're like taking that seriously. Like normally I don't take, take things seriously. I'm like, yeah, let's just write it, see what we can do with it. But with this, we're actually like, no, we need to sit down and learn how to write a TV script. And then I I'm sort of growing up in that aspect. I'm not just throwing my work out into the public domain, which is what I normally do. So how did you start getting right? Uh, how did you start in writing scripts? Because I know you were a part of the National Theatre's writing group. Was that like just did it seem like the next natural step or was that like something that just came out of nowhere? Well, it's funny you ask. So I worked as a stand up comedian for about two, three years never really kind of made it into a space where I could earn a living from it or really any money from being a stand-up comedian. But I, I was lucky I got to, um, I did a TV job in Canada, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. So I was able to play all of the open mics in that city. And I was able to play the professional comedy club in that city. And that was great. And I did stuff at the Edinburgh Festival. So I decided to write my first, you know, hour of stand-up for the Edinburgh Festival. And it didn't really go to plan for a lot of different reasons. The main one of being, you know, being, you know, it was the free fringe and it was um, a really lousy venue. But I, I put so much work, I put months and months and months of work into writing it and then getting it in front of preview audiences and just getting it where I wanted it to be. And a friend of mine called Charlie Webster, who's a fantastic alternative comic, he said to me, Connie, you've written a play. This isn't stand up, you've written a play. Yeah. And I was like, no. No, 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 this is this is comedy, right? You know, I've, I've got the mic, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, you know. The character's called Connor Clark McGraw, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's stand-up. And he saw it multiple times and he said, no, Connor, this is great, but it's it's not stand-up. Because I was alternative. I was just kind of working at the margins of what stand-up was. Yeah. And it was kind of a, once I put that show to bed, I didn't want to ever do stand-up again. And I realised that my friend was right. I, I had kind of written something that was different. And then... Um, I was in, I was doing different bits with the National Theatre. They run these great courses for young people, uh, which is how I first got involved with them. And uh, I really recommend for any of your listeners to look this up. It's the National Theatre's website and then it's the tab that says young people. And there, if, you, if you're on a low income, they're really fantastic about paying for your transport to get there, for auditions um, at the National Theatre, for these, these short courses. And if you need to, um, yeah, stay there for a little while. You know, they, they pay for your transport if you're not from London. That's cool. Yeah, pivotal for me. I was living in Cardiff at the time. So the, the way I got involved with the National Theatre was, with, um, was a really fantastic opportunity. I think you had to audition to get on the short course. But once you got on, you got a ticket to see Network starring Brian Cranston. And you went on a week-long course with Forced Entertainment. Have you heard of them? Uh, I haven't. Really kind of... Uh, boundary pushing experimental theatre company have been running for about uh god 20 or 30 years um and we went to go and see one of their shows and it was just really kind of bizarre and out there and then we got to work with the artistic director 
and um, somebody else from the company for a whole week kind of devising and improvising that's the whole thing they do like really long improvisations you know that could go on for a day or a week or what have you that type of thing and it's you know not as scripted but much more like hey guys what can we do here what can we build as a company of actors which was really educational so that's how I got started with National Theatre and then yeah this I was getting too old to be part of the youth department I think the upper age limit is 22 so I started looking around okay what other educational outreach opportunities they have. One of them was introduction to script writing with a tutor called Ryan Craig. And um, yeah, I sent off an application form and uh, got on the course. And, you know, it was, I was one of about 20, I think. A lot of uh, diverse writers from a you know, vast range of backgrounds. And uh, I was living in Cardiff at the time. I was working behind a bar in um, the National Concert Hall of Wales, St. David's Hall. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd get on a coach, get on a mega bus or a National Express. We love the mega bus. Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Can I <laughs> also just London, say, you know, it's so lovely to hear that National Theatre would still consider me a young person if 22 is the limit. <laughs> I turn 23 yeah, I, I next month and I'm like, nah, <laughs> not here for yeah, it. I remember the last, the last thing I did with them in the in the young, kind of young person's category was, a, oh, it was an amazing workshop with the musical director on Hadestown. Um, when it was playing at the National Theatre. Yeah, and it was it was my last ever workshop I could do as a young person. It was like, oh my God, this is a moment. You know, because I was really lucky to, yeah, work with them for about, got a year, maybe maybe two years in the young persons. And now, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of do stuff in the education department with the, you know, the proper, the big one. Yeah. So I did introduction to playwriting. And then the following year, I did a how to progress your playwriting. And then Town went off to Broadway and blew up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The um, they were. It was fascinating. They were still working on it when it was at National Theatre. So um, they were coming in with you know, kind of lyric rewrites while it was on in the Olivier stage. You know, I'd have been like to whoever. I, can I come on the Broadway? Like, can <laughs> I like? I'll I'll clean the stage. <laughs> and what a fascinating history that shows had. You know, it started in the back of a van, like touring around America. And then, you know, got these, you know, started off Broadway and then National Theatre and then finally Broadway. And it's just, yeah, it's fantastic. Loads of those little shows, like not little shows, but like shows that don't come from like Andrew Lloyd Webber or Cameron McIntosh. Mm. They've, they've all got like fascinating history. Like um, I, I love the musical Rent and uh, mm. watching like the documentaries about how Jonathan Larson conceived Rent and what happened and then how he died right before the previews. Like that's such a fascinating history. And now we never really see Rent anywhere other than an NBC Live two years ago. Sure, sure. Bring it back to Broadway. I want to see it. Isn't it, isn't it doing it the, the UK this year? I want to say so, but I've sort yeah. of like discombobulated myself from all of that because I don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah, fair enough. Fair Every enough. time I see an announcement, I'm like, nope, it's probably not going to happen, so I'm not getting invested. I was talking about the Edinburgh Festival earlier, right? And what I've done for the past kind of three years is to self-produce my own shows there. And I'm, I'm just not going to risk it this year, even though, you know, the announcement says that theatre is back, you know. I wouldn't risk it with Scotland because yeah, I don't think we're going to have a fringe festival this year. Mm. We've been barely allowed out. <laughs> yeah. And like last year, England had some theatres open we had none 
So we've had like no like nightlife, no entertainment like that since March last year. So I really wouldn't, I wouldn't risk it. Yeah. Which yeah, well, is so sad because in Scotland, sort of you normally leave like college or uni and then you go and get a job in the fringe and that's how you get your agent. And obviously there's going to be so many people I know like for a fact that the year below me in college, they left last year in the middle of a pandemic and didn't get to do like their last show or I don't know why I said that really weirdly there they didn't get to do their graduation so no show no graduation and then they can't go and audition for the fringe which is what you normally do to get your agent so how are we meant to get started just now there's going to be an influx when coronavirus is gone and we can finally get back to the fringe there's going to be 50,000 new start graduates all vying for the same like parts and it's going to be pandemonium absolutely yeah so thanks covid (laughs) no just a brutal time for anybody to be entering the industry right now oh 110 percent want to take people on i i don't know i don't know but well i left uni in january last year and i was like okay so we're gonna start just learn some monologues film them and make sort of a mini show reel and i sent them to a few people and they were like Honestly, like it's good, but we can't take anyone on just now. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, fuck, Sorry missed the mark. Should have been doing this six months ago. Mm. But it works how it is. I'm a big believer in if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. You've just got to keep going. And if That's not, it. I'll fucking fight for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I met Eddie Izzard once and he gave me some great advice. He said, the journey of anyone who's successful is that you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, and then you succeed. So I'm up to about that last fail there. I think I've got two more fails to go (laughs) and then hopefully succeed. Good, good. This is the, yeah. It really doesn't prove well for the play that I'm currently trying to put on, though. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you manage to do that, then, if you don't have a BA? How did you manage to get your agent? Yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, it's a long story about how I got cast on sex education, right? But um, I'd been working as an extra in Cardiff while I was working as a stand-up comedian, right? Because being a stand-up comedian wasn't paying any bills. Being an extra would pay you, what, 75, 85 pounds a day, you know? And I'd, I'd be on everything. I'd be on Casualty. I'd be on this <laughs> show called Will, which was about a young, sexy William Shakespeare. Like, anything that was going in South Wales or Bristol. Um and a lot of people say, don't do extra work. And yeah. I, I might say that too, if not for what happened to me. So uh-huh. when Sex Education Season 1 started, I was with an extra agency called Mad Dog Casting, which I think uh, have a base in London and Bristol and Cardiff and this type of thing. And I'd done lots and lots of work with them. And occasionally you get self-tapes through for like one-liner, two-liner parts. And for Sex Ed, they wanted to use a lot of local people for these small parts, you know, keeps the cost down for them. Yeah. So I, I got um, a self-tape for the role of Sober Virgin at a party. <laughs> um, you know, did it, did the tape. Uh, they loved it. The, you know, the director and the AD loved it. And then I said no, because it was season one. Nobody knew how big the show was going to be. And I had tickets for Hamilton on the West End. Right. I paid over a hundred pounds in tickets, you know, for me and a friend to go and see Hamilton. So my first day on sex ed, I said no. Uh, <laughs> which I almost can't believe. 
because it's changed my life. Could you imagine sitting and watching the success of it now? Yeah. Um, They liked the tape so much they brought me in to do something else. And then that scene was with Asa Butterfield, um, which was really exciting. So it was um, a montage of students with sex problems, right? And um, I knew I was going to have dialogue on the day, but I didn't know what I was going to say. So when we shot the scene, you know, he's opposite me. I'm sat on a desk in a science lab or something. And then there's an AD just to the side of me, out of shot, feeding me the lines, right? So she's going to give me a line. I say the line, you know, we get my reaction, we get his reaction. And Asa Butterfield couldn't get through the takes without laughing, which was a really, really good sign. And I think... yeah. I hope I made a really good impression that day. You know, I mean, you didn't get sacked, so it must have been a good impression. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was my first day. And then uh, this is like really, really early on season one, like first week, I think, of the whole shoot. So I was in it as an essay. You know, you get treated like an essay. You, essay is extra. Um, yeah. You're kept in the, in the green room. All of this, you have to make your own way to set. Um, and as opposed to like a, a hired car or a private car or something. And um, yeah, that was it for season one. So they, I was in it like as a background student who'd come in and be a student in the school, but they were, they kept giving me stuff to do. They kept giving me lines. So I, I you know, I had a line opposite Gillian Anderson, which was really, really cool. I was a big fan of hers for a long time. Um, yeah, and just different little bits throughout season one. And then one day the casting director, Lauren Evans and her assistant, Melissa, came to set and Lauren came up to me and said, hey, we really like what you're doing on the show. So thank you very much. And then that was it. Just left the conversation there and I was kicking myself at lunch. I thought before she goes, I have to get her email address. I have to send her a CV. You know, I was lucky enough. I I was already on Spotlight by this point. Um, And I had a little kind of CV and uh, a little show reel and some headshots. And I asked her, she gave me her email address. I sent her an email the next day. And uh, the following day, Melissa sent me an email asking if I'd come in and read for a guest role, which was really cool. And that was a character called Liam, who jumps on the moon on the prom at the end of season one of Sex Ed. So I came up to London for the audition. Uh, it was really fun, didn't get the part. And uh, I thought, okay, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm back where I started, you know, I'm still on an essay. And then uh, for season two, I got an email from Lauren herself directly with my contract, like turning me into a cast member. That's which cool. I couldn't believe. Yeah, really cool. So, but there is an uh, important question. Did you still get to see Hamilton? I did, I did, I did. That's <laughs> all I, yeah, I turned down day one of the, you know, of my first day so I could go and see it. So I saw Hamilton. Um, but yeah, I was, I was still un- unrepresented in answer to your question. After season one, right, I was pushing, 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 you know, emailing loads of people. Hey, I'm in this hit show. We've got 40 million views. We're in 190 countries. Look, I'm in the show. Nothing. Yeah. And then early season two, once I was under contract as a cast member, still going, still going, still going. Nothing. You know, sorry, our books are full. Sorry, we've got someone who's your type on our books. All of this until my current agent, yeah, I think it was a it was a Friday afternoon I sent the email and then immediately she came back and said, hey, how's Monday morning for a meeting? And that was, you know, that was it. I booked a coach up to London from Cardiff, met her in her office. It was a really positive meeting. And then the following day she she called me up and then signed me. How many times so was, do you think you've done that megabus trip from Cardiff to London? <laughs> lots and lots. But I'm, I must have sent 
um, kind of upwards of 50 emails to agents, you know, between season one and season two, and only one meeting. So kind of that that shows you how brutal this industry is. So I know if the answer is yes, you won't be able to tell us anything, but are we going to be seeing Kojak Connor in series season three of Sex yeah, Education? So how's that's that correct. been filming? Obviously you can't tell us anything, but there's been filming throughout the pandemic. Uh, or yeah. you could tell us everything and just spoil everything. I, I don't mind. Um, no, it's been good. Uh, yeah, the way filming works, uh, especially with script rewrites, sometimes you get more work than you're anticipating, which is really, really nice. And that's what happened to me this year. I was just going to be in one episode. Um, they've ended up putting me in a couple more. Um, yeah, with COVID, everything, you know, you, you have to have, you have to get tested twice a week. Generally, you have to get tested twice before you come to set. So I've had kind of nurses come to my flat and give me a COVID test at the flat. Uh, on set, everybody wears masks apart from cast. Um, and the cast have to wear them a lot of times unless you're doing a take. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty safe. You know, you've got all these new jobs, which is COVID supervisor or COVID assistant or COVID nurse, what have you, which, you know, wasn't a thing. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty straight, pretty, pretty rigorous. So do we know when series three is coming out? Because there was something about January and I remember yeah. sitting thinking, if I can just get through Christmas, Sex Education series three is coming out. And then I was like Netflix refreshing on the 17th or whatever day it was. And I was like, where is it? Sorry, Ingram. No, that was some fake news. Um, <laughs> later, later this year. Honestly, like, because I remember I was walking through Glasgow at the time. I'd just been on an audition for a play um, that one of my friends was, one of my now friends was doing. And there were adverts in the underground because I had to get the underground into the West End for the audition. And I remember looking at the poster and I think thinking, God, that looks shit. So cringe. And like, who calls something sex education? And then I don't know how I ended up watching it. I think it must have been one of those days. I do remember I had my wisdom teeth come in and my top two and I was bed bound for a couple of days just because I get really bad toothache and I just put it on and I was like fuck this is good like this is actually really good yeah thank you thank you yeah I, I, I think it's a great show and I think it's got a lot to say you know I think it's one of the most um, diverse and progressive shows out there so while we're on the podcast, I always like to play a little game and you might appreciate this slightly more if you've been to like in the drama school dropout, uh, not drama school, dropout in the drama school environment. Um, so I like to play a little game called Stage Right or Stage Shite, um, which is essentially I'm going to tell you three theatre stories, drama school stories. Two of them are Stage Right, which means they're the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And one of them is Stage Shite, which means it's bullshit. Um, and it's your job to find out which one is bullshit. I don't know myself. Uh, my friend does all of these. So we can play along together and chat about them. So let's just jump right into it. Number one, don't believe that stage knives are 100% safe. I got stabbed with one in a rehearsal and still have the scar on my hand. It's been five years. Number two. One of the biggest thrills of my life was performing in a sexy lingerie set on stage in front of my ex-boyfriend who had cheated on me. I looked so fucking good. Why was he at the show if you'd split up? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yeah, and yeah. number three, 
I booked a last minute holiday to Ibiza as a gift for myself doing well in my college shows and exams. I was leaving right after my last show. My lecturer forward slash director wasn't too happy when I showed up on show day with my pre Ibiza fake tan on. I was playing a vampire. Oops. Oh, um, I, I can imagine all of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the last one, I think the fake tan thing. See, I'm thinking the lingerie set, because why is your ex-boyfriend at a show if you've split uh, up? Yeah, yeah. Because if I was going out with somebody and we split up and then they were at my show, I'd be like, stalker, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go for the lingerie. Okay, what one okay. are you saying? I'm saying the fake tan. Okay, I'm going to look. You were right. I was wrong. It's hey. the fake tan one. <laughs> Why the fuck was her ex-boyfriend at her show? Oh, it happened. Or his, happened. we don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, like, I would be like, what the fuck are you doing here? Well, I'm thinking of, like, a college environment, right, where everyone's dated everyone. Yeah, I, I get that, but wouldn't you also be in the show then? I don't know, I don't know. Well, like, at a drama school, you know, you've got three productions running at the same time, you know? True. I'm gonna I'm gonna call through the emails and try and find that one. I, I need more information. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, please tell me more. Yes, I think if I've got a message for anyone, it's that um, you know traditional drama school is not the only way to go. On sex ed, not everyone is drama school trained. I've spoken to casting director Lauren Evans. She doesn't care, and I think. A lot of casting directors don't care. I think, you know, what has been drilled into a lot of actors, you know, coming up is that you have to do it, especially British actors. You know, this is the way, this is how you do it. And I don't think that's true. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for my time at Royal Welsh. Um, I think I'm, I'm tempted to go and do an MA at a drama school at the end of my 20s, you know, sometime in the future. But right now, you know, everything's fine. I don't think I've lost any opportunities from not going to drama school. And there are alternative ways, you know, like the National the uh, Youth Theatre, like these courses. I, I did a great course with a company called Wise Children, which is run by Emma Rice. Yeah. Um, she's her own company and she's got a, um, a school for wise children, which is for education and outreach. And they've got free places for people who can't afford it, that type of thing. You know, I did a great course with them at the, at the Old Vic. So uh, so there are ways, you know, there are lots and lots of ways to get into this industry. Even stuff like you were doing, like, you know, recording your own monologues at home and sending them to people. A hundred percent. It's so productive. It's so good. Especially so when we're in lockdown. But yeah. if the casting director, Lauren, is for sex education, is listening to this, can I please have a job? I will work for next to nothing. Like, I love sex education. Uh, I, I'm not a massive, like, one of these awkward fan people i can actually do a job so um i will work for next to nothing um so yeah please hire me um all the info is in the description box of the podcast contact me and yeah i'll work for next to nothing one of the great things that they do uh, lauren evans specifically is open calls sometimes so we have a major new character this season who was passed through an open call Very and i missed that you did i you don't fit the brief i'm sorry <laughs> so that's really cool so so this actor is uh is not even from the uk it's from the united states and has become a series regular on this show you know with very little experience i could do an american accent <laughs> <laughs>
So we've come to the end of the podcast now. Thank you, Connor, for coming on and being such a, a lovely, lovely guest. And I apologise for all of my internet issues that sort of messed this morning up. Where can everyone find you on social media? Yes, on Instagram, I'm Connor Clark McGrath and the same on Twitter. And we'll be able to see you in Sex Education on Netflix later this year, sooner rather than later, I hope. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I can't and wait for you to see it. Yes, and thank you to everyone at home for listening. If you really love me, I hope you do by now, please go and leave a little review and a rating down below. Five stars always helps. We'd love that. And you can submit your theatre stories for Stage Right or Stage Shite by emailing dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much, Connor, for coming on and being a lovely, lovely guest. And I shall see you all again next week. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout.